This edition of Eternal Leadership has been brought to you by Marketplace Rock, guiding leaders to higher ground. Learn more at MarketplaceRock.com. Welcome to Eternal Leadership, a show dedicated to equipping and inspiring leaders to accomplish what God has created in them. I'm Steve Ryder, co-founder and co-host. Here's this week's interview by my partner, John Ramstead. All right, welcome to the Eternal Leadership Podcast. Today we have on Craig Ballantyne. Craig, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much, John. Excited to have you here. And if you guys, you guys know our good friends, Bill Watkins and Robert Mallon at the Rusty Lion uh, Academy, referred Craig over. And when I, the more I learned about Craig, I, I just was really excited to have him on today, everybody, and just share with you um, what Craig is working on right now, what he's doing, because I know it's just going to be a really special time for you. So a little background, Craig. Uh, Valentine, he's a productivity and success transformation coach. And I love the word transformation because it means permanent change. He's from Toronto, Ontario, Canada. He's the author of The Perfect Day Formula, How to Own the Day and Control Your Life. Uh, he's been a contributing, uh, he's a, he's a contributor to Men's Health Magazine since 2000. And in 2001, Craig created the popular home workout called Turbulence Training. Now, on his journey to success, Craig had to overcome some crippling anxiety attacks, and he beat them with the five pillars of transformation. And today, Craig shows men and women how to use these five pillars to lose 10 to 75 pounds, get a raise, make more money, find the love of their life. Who wouldn't want to do that? Some of us have, like, like me, uh, and overcome any obstacle in their way of success. So you can read all of his um, daily essays about productivity on earlytorise.com. So, Craig, what I'd love to do, though, before we get, you know, before we really dive into some of this great stuff, though, is share a little about your journey, kind of, you know, where you started, where you came from, and how you got to, you know, where you're at now. Sure. So I started all the way back in 1999 with my first email newsletter while I was still a graduate student in exercise physiology at my college. And I knew I wanted to share basically science-based shortcuts with people on how to succeed. First of all, I started off in the fitness world and did that for many years and started writing for Men's Health in 2000. And then I discovered that I also really liked helping people in many other areas of their life, just like you do, John, with building businesses and you know becoming better leaders. And so I started writing about that in the mid-2000s. But right around then was also when I really struggled with these anxiety attacks. Uh, you know, actually, I was having a lot of success in life. And that actually, you know, when you have success, it brings you a bit more freedom. And sometimes we make bad decisions when we have too much freedom. So often a lot of people always think, oh, I wish I didn't have my job. I'd have more, much more time to work on a side business. But then they get that opportunity and they end up wasting their days. And so I was, I was kind of doing that. And just a lot of anxiety came upon me from business opportunities and business struggles. And I actually had anxiety so bad. It wasn't just at the end of the day where you feel stressed out. I had it so bad that I went to the hospital a couple of times. I walked in, said, I think I'm having a heart attack because I had, you know, pounding chest. I couldn't breathe. I had tingles down my arms. And this was going on for weeks and weeks. And so I walked in and they take you right to the back. And they ran a few tests on me and everything was okay. And I realized that I needed to make some changes. And, you know, one of the simplest things is that I didn't know how to breathe, believe it or not. Um, Like many people, what we do is when we're stressed, we breathe from our upper chest and we breathe very short and shallow. And that makes things worse. 
So for people that are listening, the next time you find yourself a little stressed out, just sit back, be calm, and breathe through your belly nice and slow, in through your nose, fill that belly up, and then exhale through your mouth. You know, in for four to six, out for six to ten. Do that a few times, and you'll actually really calm down. So that was one of the things that I so learned. Is that a physiological thing, or like, or are you yeah, just not is. getting enough oxygen, or, or it's, is it? It's increasing. You know, so the stress hormones in the body. You know, the adrenaline. When you do like an athlete who is getting ready for a fight, you know, if the UFC fighter, he would sit there and do a couple of short breaths. <laughs> you know, from the upper chest, and that would increase the adrenaline in the person. So the person would go out there with that fight or flight response really jacked up. Now, on the other hand, you have, that's the sympathetic nervous system. You have the parasympathetic nervous system, which is what you improve when you do stuff like yoga and meditation. And so this slow breathing improves the parasympathetic nervous system response, which calms us down. So it is a physiological response that we can use as a, like a hack, I suppose you could call it, or a shortcut to really control your state. Whether you're going out on stage and doing a speech, you might do a couple of those short, shallow breaths. Or when you're in negotiation meetings and you have a break and you need to calm down, you might do that short or that, uh, you know, big belly breathing to, to slow things down. So you can really use that simple tip just to become more effective in your day to day. And, and back then when I was going through the anxiety, I was just not breathing properly, very short and shallow and, you know, caffeine uh, intake was high. And so that added to the stress. And so for me, learning how to breathe and slowing down helped me overcome that anxiety in addition to a few other things. So um, that was the biggest struggles that I had, John. And when I overcame those things, I was fortunate enough to kind of stumble across a few systems that allowed me to get more done, make more money and still really get home uh, and done the workday well in time for dinner as most people want to accomplish. And so that's what I go about doing these days is helping. Question, people. Craig, did that happen yeah. These panic attacks while you were working full time or is this after you'd already been kind of transitioning into something else and you actually had developed a little bit more time in your life? It was a combination of both. So I was going from a, f a full time personal trainer from 2000 to 2006, plus having the side gig of doing the online business to having my online business become so successful in 2005 and 2006 that I was able to stop being a full-time personal trainer. So I didn't have to get up and train people at six o'clock in the morning and then work a couple hours in midday on my online business and then work until 8 p.m. at night um, as a trainer and then maybe another hour or two in my online business. So that got me up to this point. And then I was able to go full-time with the online business and I started sleeping a little bit later and staying out a little bit later at night. I was a young man in a big city of Toronto going out with my friends and all that caught up to me. And But I was still working full-time, but now it was just online in the business and the hours were irregular. And I would wake up late and I'm a natural morning person. And so I was doing something outside of my best circadian rhythm, I suppose you would say. And it just left me stressed. I would wake up immediately in a stressed out mode and I would immediately check my email because I had bad habits back then. And that would add to the stress. And so, you know, if anybody listening to this recognizes that they get stressed out when they do those things, whether they start later than they should or whether they check email first thing in the morning and because that can send you down a whole bunch of rabbit holes, then you realize, okay, those things need to stop if I, need, if I want to get back to being my most productive self. And so after a couple of months, 
going through the anxiety attacks and, and having that stress, I realized I got to put this structure in place so that I can have more freedom in my life by being more structured. And again, that goes back to when, pe- you know, it's similar with what people have when they retire. You go from having a structured day to being fully free with your time. And that can really mess up a lot of people. They're just not sure what to do with themselves. And they actually lower their self-worth and their self-esteem because they feel kind of useless. And so that's why we need to have that structure in our day, which is what I I coach people on today. So when you're coaching people, Craig, because most of our audience, um, they would love to be, or they're moving toward that side or that, you know, having that extra business, that extra income. A lot of them are either running companies or they're very busy, you know, somewhere in a company. Uh, You know, they're not at the top, but they're you know, they're pursuing, you know, what God's put on their heart. They have crazy busy schedules. But I got to tell you, you know, after you were on uh, the the podcast, Bill called me and said, you know, here, you know, one of the key takeaways was just not getting up in the morning and reaching for the phone, you know, checking the email. And uh, I'll share with you what that has done for me personally, because that was some amazing advice. And I, I'd love for you to walk away that, you know, or I'd love for you to go through, um, you know, what is that kind of the structure that people can start thinking about and implementing? Certainly. And so just to go back and give you a bit of an example of what I was doing at the time when I realized I had to change, just to show you that I was probably worse than I had worse habits than anybody listening to this call. I'd wake up at 7.30 a.m., which is naturally late for me, and I would immediately check uh, my phone for email and that would send me down, you know, off into a bit of stress. And so I realized, okay, I'm going to start getting up five minutes earlier, um, every day and, and, you know, for several days and eventually I got to the right time and I was going to work on checking my email five minutes later. And so that means you're up a little bit earlier. You're not checking your email. And so you spread that gap and in that gap, of hopefully you'll, you'll be up for a couple of hours before you check your email very shortly, you're able to do clear thinking. And so the very first thing that I recommend that most people do is get out of bed, go down to their kitchen table, have a pen and paper and sit there before anybody else is up for at least 15 minutes and work on their number one problem or opportunity in their life. So if somebody is, and I like to use this example because uh, it's very simple, if somebody's in $3,000 worth of credit card debt, and they go down to their kitchen table and spend 15 minutes thinking about how they can cut expenses, increase income, and lower the interest rate, maybe getting a different credit card that has a lower interest rate for payments. If they do that six days a week, 15 minutes a day, that's an hour and a half a week spent working on a number one problem. And you're going to get out of debt so much faster than if you just you know, worried about it all day long, but didn't actually do any clear thinking on it. And the same thing with guys who are very successful, men and women who are very successful, you know, climbing the ladder in the company and they sit down and they think about their number one opportunity. It might be a project or, a, you know, an opportunity to lead a team at work. And they sit there and they actually plan and prepare and sit and identify opportunities for 15 minutes a day, six days a week, 90 minutes a week. You know, that's six hours a month, you're going to be so far ahead of the game because most people don't have 15 minutes of clear thinking time at work. I mean, we get to work, we have meetings, we have emails, we have interruptions, we have people bringing their fires and emergencies to us. And we don't have time to do that clear headed thinking, which is really what empire builders do is do that clear thinking. 
and make time for it. And so just that 15 minutes with no electronics, pen and paper, you'll really move ahead 15 minutes a day. So that's the first thing that I want people to start with to start making big breakthroughs in their life. And I guess you're intentional when you say pen and paper versus pulling up Evernote or... Um, I am. Yeah, you're correct. Yeah, yeah. it's a good observation. And, and I think that people really need to just get away from the temptation, because even if you just have one app open on your smartphone or, you know, Evernote and your computer, there's always the temptation of doing other things. And a very interesting research study came out a couple of years ago that relates to smartphones and how it impacts you know, the presence of a smartphone impacts our ability to concentrate. And the study found that when somebody went to a meeting and there was a smartphone on the table, even if it was turned off, they were uh, unable to recall as much information from the meeting as they were when they did the same thing, but no smartphone was on the table. That's just how powerful of a distraction that electronics are in our life. And so that's why we need was to... Was it re- even their smartphone or just... It was, uh, if the it smart- was just if- a smartphone turned off on the table. That powerful. It's really distracting. And so that's why I'm... I'm just a big old school guy. I mean, my my smartphone is six years old. I've never downloaded an app. I'm just all pen and paper as much as possible. I really believe that you can have much greater and clearer thinking when you are... Outside of your work zone, which is at your kitchen table or perhaps somewhere even um, more sacred or spiritual to you, you know, like outside in your back deck as the sun is rising and you start thinking you're going to have much more creative thoughts with pen and paper than you are with electronics. Okay. And so, so let's say I've been sitting down, I'm starting to incorporate just 15 minutes a day into my life. I'm starting to just kind of journal, which I think is such a powerful tool that really gets overlooked in, in this in this society of faster, busier, right? We think Absolutely. we're being more efficient, but I really don't. I think we've actually lost a lot of personal productivity. What What is the next steps people can do, Craig? Well, after that, um, I like people to identify, a, you know, kind of like their best health habit for the day. So, you know, like we all know that we are really – mental athletes as executives as entrepreneurs we are mental athletes and mental athletes need to perform at a high level you know another analogy is that we're fighter jets and so we're not going to put the same type of fuel into our body as a car because we are a high performance machine and a really great example of this is Richard Branson he does an hour of exercise per day and he claims that this hour of exercise per day gives him four hours of extra productivity over the course of the day and energy. Now, I don't think you actually have to exercise for an hour a day or even a hard exercise every day, but you should get some type of movement and you should have a health habit that you use to kick off the day. It could be anything from spending 15 minutes in prayer or meditation. It could be you know 10 minutes of exercise or stretching. It could be a certain, um, you know, walk or swim or whatever it is that allows you to clear your head and or it could be a certain type of breakfast that you have that sits you or sets you in the mood for having a healthy day. So you start off the day with that 15 minutes of thinking, then you move into a healthy habit that sets the tone of the day so that when lunchtime comes around, you think back to breakfast or, you know, your healthy habit, you think I already am on a really good streak here of making the right decisions today. So I'm not 
continue to fuel my mind and my body as I as a mental athlete should so I can perform really well over the rest of the afternoon. Otherwise, uh, you know, if you go to a fast food place, you're going to be falling asleep in your chair at two o'clock. And next thing you know, you're going to be working late. You're going to be home late. You're going to upset your family. You're going to have dinner late. You're going to make poor choices at dinner and so on and so forth. And you're down that vicious cycle. But the more you can stick to making the right decisions based on that one thing that kicked off the day, the better off you're going to be. And it's going to support you in all that you do and in your work and in your family life. Now, as, as you started doing this for yourself, Craig, what, what differences did you start to notice? Well, one thing that I did that really made a huge impact on me, because at the time I was already doing a lot of healthy things as a personal trainer. I was exercising regularly. I was eating excellent on a regular basis. But one thing that I learned from my mentor, Mark Ford, who uh, owned the business Early to Rise before I bought it from him, was to go to bed and get up at the same time every day, seven days a week. Now, that doesn't sound like the most exciting thing in the world, and it's not. Um, and there's, met, there's probably a couple nights a week where you won't hit your preferred bedtime. But when I started sticking to that wake up seven days a week and not sleeping in on weekends, that gave me so much more energy than anything else I had ever done uh, you know, from eating, even, even from eating properly to exercising on a regular basis, I was never, ever tired at two o'clock in the afternoon. Um, you know, I'll go through a day like today with no caffeine and at seven o'clock tonight, I'll still be like super high energy, even though, you know, I'm, I go to bed quite early at like eight thirty, and it's just natural high energy from that regular routine. And just one more side note on this is that researchers have found that if you want to have high energy and you want to lose weight, two of the easiest, most simple things you can do are mm -hmm. stick to a regular set of meal times and a regular wake up and uh, go to bed time. So just being as routine as possible helps you maintain a healthy weight and maintain really good alertness and energy level. So it's just not having an all over the place schedule, which is going back and having more structure in your life actually makes you more effective. So that's just a side note on the health stuff that allows us to be better mental performers over the course of the day. And that's what worked for me as well. Now, when you're working with people and trying to implement this, you know, what are some of the biggest challenges that busy people have with, with moving towards something that's more you know, of a routine with some predictability to it? Great question. And the biggest problem is not having them do the right things, but to have them not do the wrong things. Mm, to, to, what deliver, is that? to deliver themselves from temptation, right? It's like in an extreme example, you know, an alcoholic can not drink six days a week. They can go to their meetings. They can do everything right six days a week. But if one of their friends gets them to go to happy hour on the seventh, you know, on a Friday afternoon, everything, is, all the six days of goodness are completely lost. And it's the same with our own lives on a much less extreme example. So, you know, you can get up early. You can do your 15 minutes of thinking. Um, but if you open up your email as soon as you're done that, before you do your healthy habit, before you, you know, do these other things, or if you open your email before you do your 15 minutes, everything is ruined. All the other good stuff, all the planning that you have done is ruined because of one bad mistake. And so what we do is when we sit down 
I interview my coaching clients and we go through their day and we have them do a time journal, which is a really simple tool that people can do to identify where they're most productive, but also where their biggest obstacles and temptations come up. So going back to when I was a young man, you know, one thing that I did was I would get into these internet OCD loops as um, this gentleman, (laughs) Evan Pagan calls it. So it's like, you know, you go to your sales stats and then you go and you check your email and then you check um, maybe a social media site and then you check ESPN and then you go back and you check your sales stats and you just cycle through. And so most people have these types of OCD loops in their life, whether it's, you know, going and talking to somebody at work and then going to the water cooler. And, you know, that's like a non-digital version where they just end up going through and wasting time and procrastinating. And so we just go through this time journal. We identify where are these obstacles and temptations coming up in your life. And then what we do is we figure out ways to build a fence around you that protects you from obstacles and temptations because we're all weak and we all have uh, you know willpower issues and so the more that we can build up rituals and routines that keep us out of trouble the stronger we can have our willpower for when we actually need it and the easier we can make our day and so there's a book called um oh geez made it's not made to stick it's another book by Chip and Dan Heath. I can't remember the name of it right now. Switch. It's called Switch by Chip and Dan Heath. And they use this analogy of, you know, riding an elephant down a path. If you're riding an elephant down a path and there's a giant tree in the middle of the path, the elephant can't go around it. And so that's the obstacle in our life. And if we're trying to go down the road of success and there's all these obstacles in the way, it's going to be very difficult for us. And so what can we do? Well, first of all, before we try and even go down the path, we need to eliminate all of the obstacles. And then we can just walk down the path to success very simply. And so that's what it's all about, John, is first of all, introspection, identifying our weaknesses, being very vulnerable and open about, hey, these are the problems that I have, Um, you know, and definitely not being a hypocrite and saying that we're perfect. And then thinking, okay, if these are the obstacles, what are two or three solutions for each? So that on those tough days, when the obstacle comes into my way, I have plan A. If plan A doesn't work, I have plan B. If plan B doesn't work, I have plan C. And one of those things is going to work to get me out of trouble so that I stay on track, do the right things for my life. Well, I love what you're saying here, Craig, because one of the pillars of the coaching I do, I just work with leaders you know, CEOs, business owners. And one of the things that we focus on is optimizing their environment. Because, you know, if you're not cognizant of those obstacles and you're letting them things just constantly pull you away, or, you know, I I think one of the, you know, the easiest examples is, you know, if you want to lose weight, um, you can just decide not to eat the stuff in the kitchen, like the cookies or the, the chips that are there. But then you have to make a conscious decision not to do that. Or you can just remove those from your environment so now you're not even tempted, right? And I know that is a, a simple example. So let's say people have you know put the, the thought into this. They've identica- identified some of these obstacles. They've put some fences in place. You know, what, what, are, what, are, what is then the next step that you walk people through? Well, then we're going to go back and look at that number one <clears throat> priority that is in their life. And the number one priority is often something that I don't know if you experience this, John, but I know I hear this question all the time and I'm really surprised by 
that people ask it. But I'll speak at a presentation, uh, you know, a seminar, and I'll talk about the importance of working on your number one priority. And then I'll get off stage and I'll have 10 people say, this is really great, but I don't know what really matters. And then so after hearing that for years, I tried to figure out how to help people with that. And my friend, who's a pastor, Luciano Del Monte up in Canada, he taught me this four seasons of life mentality, way to identify your priority. So we're either in a season of health, wealth, family, or personal enrichment. And what that means is, you know, for a young guy who's 30 years old, he might be in a season of wealth building. You know, he might be engaged. He might be thinking, you know, in two years from now, I want to have a nice house on this street in my town so that, you know, my wife and I can raise a couple of kids. But right now I need to, you know, build that nest egg. So I'm going to be working really hard. I'm not going to obviously destroy my relationships. I'm also going to take care of my health. But my number one focus is on that season of wealth building. And then there might be the guy who's 55 years old. He's built a good career. Um, Kids are off to college. Relationship with the wife is still good. And financially, he's doing okay. But his health has suffered. So, you know, he spent the last 25 years gaining weight because he's always been working or taking care of his kids and taking care of his family. And now he's in a season of health because he's pre-diabetic. So he's going to focus on his health as his number one priority. And then there's someone like my mother who is, you know, her kids are obviously out of the house and financially she's been set up and she doesn't really need to work. She doesn't need to work um, and her health is good. So she's in a season of personal enrichment. And what that means is she's focusing her entire days on volunteering. She's, you know, organizing charity stuff. She's working at the charity events. And so she's in that season of life. And so once you identify your season of life, then you can identify your number one priority and then you can focus on that during your days. And so that is what we help people do. So that kind of combines with that 15 minutes first thing in the morning, because that's also where you're going to work on your number one priority. But you need to have this big overreaching vision and view of, okay, here's what's most important to me. And once I know what is most important to me, then that really drives all the decisions that I'm going to make in my life. And I really love to help people create visions for their life. And I'm sure you do this too, John, about helping people identify where they want to be in the future. And in in my way of doing it, I use um, the vivid vision method, which I learned from a guy named Cameron Harold and um, also a guy named Ari Weinswig, who owns a very famous deli in Michigan named Zuckerman's Deli. And they wrote articles about how you look into the future a couple years from now and you write your vision as if you've already achieved everything you want to achieve. And that helps you identify your number one priority as well. And again, once you have that vision, that's your destination. And it's like going to Disney World. If you know that you want to get to Disney World, then you just sit down with a map and you plan out the best route to get to Disney World. It's not like you go off on detours or anything. You just go directly to Disney World. And that's the same way that we should be with our lives. And when we know that destination, that destination is clear on the map and we know the best way to get there, then when all these people bring these opportunities or these alternative ways of doing things into our life, we can say, well, you know what? That doesn't get me to my destination, my vision any faster than what I'm doing right now. So I'm going to have to say no. And that's another thing that most people just aren't doing enough of these days is saying no. It's very easy to say yes to everything. And so many people listening to this call are good, overly generous people, kind-hearted people. They want to get involved in everything. They want to help everyone. But then you take that shotgun scattered approach to life 
And the people that really succeed and make an impact are very, very focused. And so when you have that vision in place and the, and the roadmap to success, you, you realize what you can say no to and what you say and what you should say yes to. And that helps you make the right decisions, not only for your day, but for your months and weeks and, and your entire year of planning. Well, I think there's so much power in what you just said, you know, because I think that that vision, you know, that really gives you, you know, your direction. We talk about vision, purpose and mission, right? And the the, the purpose and mission is almost, you know, you know, how you're going to do it and what you're going to do. But that vision is so important. And I think, you know, sitting and writing down almost a letter to yourself, right? If you were having that conversation two years from now, just saying, you know, what 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 would success look like with everything that's on my heart, everything, everything about who I am, my gifts, my strengths, my skills, what do I want to accomplish and be known for and use that 15 minutes in the morning to start putting that on paper. So few people, maybe you found the same thing have actually taken the time to even write that down where they can think about it, look at it. And then just as importantly, now share that with some people around you that can just that can be so incredibly powerful and just bringing the clarity that a lot of people really seek to to start moving forward again. Yeah, absolutely. You and I are on the same page here, John. We've probably seen it over and over again. And the big lessons to take away for everybody listening are one, give yourself some thinking time, which most people don't do. And second, Think about where you want to be and what really matters to you and where you want to get to in that couple of years. And then, as John said, start putting that down on paper, because as Zig Ziglar taught us years and years ago, is to write down our goals, because when we keep our goals in front of us, they remind us to do the right, uh, right behaviors. And it's the same with having this vision in place. And the one thing I'll add to that is be very, very detailed in your vision. So in, in my book, I've written an entire chapter on my vision. I know exactly what street I wanna live on, what um, the names of my children that I haven't yet had, uh, what organizations our family is involved in, what we do on Saturdays and Sundays, what my work hours are. I know what kind of cars I wanna have in the garage. I know we wanna have a pool in the backyard. I, know, I actually know exactly what house on what street, where I wanna live, in my town, and, and just be as specific as possible because I've actually experienced this. When you have a very specific vision, you can achieve not just kind of what you want, but exactly what you want, exactly what you want. And it all comes from the power of having specificity in your vision. You know, I couldn't agree. You know, uh, you know, recovering from that accident that I have, Craig, um, this whole concept of discipling nations and I kept having dreams about this number a million kept coming up in all kinds of different forms and I realized uh, I started thinking what would it be like if I could touch a million lives and have a positive impact a positive influence on those individual lives and then you know the people that they touch and then the you know the communities that they're in um, and then, you know, cultures and nations. And as we broke that down and journaled on it and wrote about it, what we came up with, and that this is what we're executing on right now, is what we're calling Project 100. And this is how we broke all this down. I can tell you exactly what it looks like, but our goal in the next two years is to just so thoroughly equip and empower 100 leaders and coaches uh, to go out and have positive impact in the lives of 100 people. And 100 times 100 is 10,000 people. 
And then if we can continue that as a movement, 100 times 100 times 100 is a million. And now, you know what, we are so focused and I can move forward because now touching that many people seems like, or it is something that is now doable and realistic. Now it's something that's so big, God has to be involved. And I really think you need to have god size dreams and visions because that's what really gets you motivated and really connects you uh, with truly what's important. But I think what you're, there's so much merit in what you're saying right now. Yeah, and you and I are on the same page with all of that, with the numbers and everything. We started out in my fitness business with a one million transformation mission. So we wanted to help one million men and women around the world transform their lives physically, mentally, and financially by the year 2020. And we were fortunate enough to have a big breakthrough in one of our products and our advertising systems that we were able to achieve the one million. And now we need we actually increased it to 10 million people by 2020. And we take the same approach as you do, John. And I like to describe it as throwing a big rock into a lake. And when you do that, you watch the ripples go out. And so in our business, we are certifying fitness trainers. And we know that if we certify X number of fitness trainers, they'll each have 100 to 200 clients. And if you just do the math, that if you have you know, 10,000 trainers helping 1,000 people, that you get this many transformations every year. And we're doing the exact same thing as you're doing, just on a different uh, industry and niche market and helping the people. And it's that type of leadership mentality that people listening, I know they're going to take away and do that same sort of thing, whether they are, you know, an executive in a, in a company and they're mentoring 10 people who are then going to go and mentor 10 people on their own and build those teams in the company to help the company succeed, or whether they're entrepreneurs and leaders like you, John, and helping people, you know, build businesses. Like maybe somebody is helping, you know, plumbers get more clients. And if they go out and help 100, client, 100 plumbers get you know, 10 new clients, that's 1,000 happy you know, customers. And away we go. And that's what we do in our businesses. And that's the mentality and the leadership and the ripple effect that we can have when we have these clearly thought out plans and vision in place. Well, you know, you're, you're, you know as you read between the lines here, what we're talking about, Craig, is really something I think it's counterintuitive to a lot of people. And that is, you know what, you need to slow down, have some time to think so you can actually speed up and accelerate the results in your life. And what, what I love what you're talking about, and, you know, instead of, you know, doing a, a couple day retreat or trying to find a, an entire day in your calendar to carve it out and go write a life plan, you know, is break that up into 15 minute segments every single day and just start slowing down thinking, putting some good habits in your life, getting focused on what's important and why, and then putting the thought into how you're going to move toward that. You know, what resources you have in your life, your relationships, your time, you know, the structure of your business. Uh, we had to completely restructure our business to actually accomplish what we're doing. And we've been in the process of doing that over the last six months and we've made huge strides forward. So, um, it's exactly it, uh, John. You and I are on the same page with it. I love that you have to slow down to speed up. And it is so true. And that's, you know, it's, I suppose the pen and paper are almost symbolic, but I, you know, I do believe that they're, it's important to do it that way, but it goes with that slow down, slow down, get away from the smartphone, get away from the laptop, you know, get into nice, setting it can like i mentioned before it can be out on the back deck with the sun rising or the sun setting 
and allow your mind to do its work, you know, your subconscious to bring all of those things up to the forefront that gets suppressed when you're so busy and you identify those things because you're sitting there old school, you know, traditional, just sitting there with pen and paper, slowing down. And then that's when the big ideas come to us. Now, when you have those big ideas, Craig, you know, it's down on the paper, you're starting to get excited about it. Then, you know, what are some of those next steps forward once you start have have this clarity that we're talking about? Well, then we start to look at, okay, first of all, what's what are the first steps? Who are the people we need to contact and, you know, connect with? And then how do we schedule this into our already busy calendars? And so that's really important to start then planning out not only the, the, the big, big projects, but our next 90 days. And I do this in a, what I call reverse goal setting method. And so a lot of this stuff, the transformation stuff that I teach comes from my weight loss transformation contest that I've been running for years and years and years. And we've run over 25 of these traditional before and afters. You know, you take your photo, then you lose some weight, then you take another photo and then you write a little essay. And I actually learned my pillars of success from people in here because the winners are always had these things, you know, these five pillars in place, better planning and preparation, professional accountability, positive social support, a meaningful incentive and the big deadline. When you put those five pillars into your life, you can lose weight. You can, you know, <clears throat> uh, take take up uh, advantage of this number one priority in life. You can find the love of your life. You can find the house of your dreams, whatever it is. These five pillars work. And then we start working backwards from those 90 days. Okay. If I want to be here in 90 days, making an extra, you know, $25,000 in the next 90 days, that means I need to call on, you know, 50 extra people to do 50 extra sales calls in order to make that volume of sales to make another $25,000. Well, if I need to call on 50 people, that means that I need to get connected to another 250 people because only one in five people will take my sales call. So how do I get those 250 leads? Well, you know, that means I need to do these, this activity, this activity, and this activity. And so you reverse goal setting. You start at the top of the mountain and you work down and you figure out, okay, what is the next level for each and what do I need to do to get there? And once you've broken down the big goal into the bite-sized chunks, then you implement that into your weekly schedule and your daily schedule and you make sure that you take action on those big items Earlier in the day is better before the rest of the world gets in your way. And that's how you start having the big success in life. Well, that is powerful. Uh, you know, just breaking it down. I like that, you know, setting 90 day goals. But but you're doing it thoughtfully, though, right? You're, you're looking at uh, a very, it's, you know, like using smart goals, but a way to really put this into place that's going to be moving you forward. Yeah, absolutely. And again, I learned this from watching people lose 30 to 40 pounds in 12 weeks, you know, people who had struggled to lose weight. Well, why couldn't they lose weight before? Well, they didn't have, first of all, the deadline in place. They didn't have, you know, they didn't do better planning and preparation. A lot of people start in January and say, oh, I want to lose 10 or 20 pounds. But then that's the extent of their planning. Well, it's no surprise that they you know, in two weeks from now, they're actually have gained two pounds because they didn't have a plan. And so they do that when those people get into my transformation contest, which is a 12 week long, you know, deadline enforced event, 
they do the planning and preparation. They plan out their meals for the week, the nutrition for the week, and the exercise for the week, and they stick to it. They get professional accountability, and what that means is they have a coach who gives them expert advice and who holds them accountable. So at the end of the day, they say, hey, I did this, this, and this, and the accountability coach says, well, you didn't do this. Why not? What can we do? How can we do it tomorrow? And then they also have positive social support. So they find other positive people and they share their dreams and goals with them. And, you know, for example, in our weight loss world, we have a forum where someone can go on and say, hey, I want to lose 12 pounds in 12 weeks because of this. And somebody else who has had that same, you know, who has done that before comes on and says, well, hey, here's what I did. I think this will help you. I'm going to you know, be rooting for you all the time. I'll come in. I'll check in on you. And they have that around them, that third pillar of support. Then a meaningful incentive is another aspect that most people don't think of, but a lot of people make goals that aren't really meaningful to them. So, you know, some people say, I want to make another $25,000 and, you know, buy a fancy car. Well, why are you really doing that? What's meaningful to you? Um, You know, what do you really want to change in your life? And if you actually sit down and you ask them the right questions, you realize that none of that matters. What they really want to do in their life is improve the relationship with their spouse. And so you say, listen, just because everybody else in your company is setting a goal or all your friends are setting this goal of making more money doesn't mean that you have to have that same goal. That's not the right goal for you. So let's look at the meaningful incentive for you to go through a change in the next 90 days. Maybe you still want to make that money, but it's not for a car. It's for your child's college fund. And, you know, that's meaningful. That's going to actually get you to do the work. You know, that's going to get you to show up an extra 15 minutes early. That's going to get you to make those sales calls. But if you were just doing it for something materialistic, you wouldn't do that. You go, you'd eventually go, ah, you know, today's too tough. I don't really care about that car. I'm just going to go back to my regular, um, you know, approach to life. And that's what we found in our weight loss world, John, is when men would come to me and say, I want to lose 20 pounds because I want to, you know, look good on the beach. Those people would often drop out of the program. But when some guy would come along and say, I want to lose 20 pounds so I have more energy for my kids or because I want to be around in 20 years to see my kids graduate. Those were the people that had a meaningful incentive that kept them going through the tough times and allowed them to succeed and achieve actually amazing results. So that fifth pillar in there, along with the deadline, better planning and preparation, professional accountability and positive social support is making sure that you have a meaningful incentive that actually drives you through the tough days to stick with whatever you're trying to change. Well, and I think that's so important, you know, and a great tool for people too. Uh, you know, I was working with one of my clients, he was an executive and he said he wanted to drop 20 pounds. And I asked him, well, what would that give you? He goes, well, you know, my clothes wouldn't be so tight. Well, what would that give you? I think I literally asked him, Craig, what would that give you? Probably seven or eight times. And we kept working our way all the way down. And what the core issue was for him was he was not in shape enough to enjoy getting outside and hiking and spending quality time with his grandkids. And once he connected that goal of losing weight to what that was going to give him in his life that was truly important, now he's not only lost that weight and continues to get in better shape, but he's now kept it off for the last year. And I think going through a process to really take that goal on the surface that you get excited about and really just start asking yourself, what would that give you until you get down to that core piece that just taps into your passions, 
uh, what's important to you, you know, what's also in alignment. You talked about earlier, right? What is that two-year vision for your life? Is that goal in alignment with where you want to be in two years? So, you, in, in, are you going to be doing it in a way that's also tapping into who you are, your core values? Are you going to um, be able to bring that out in the world with integrity? And I think when you put all those together, it gives so much. It just gives rocket fuel to the the energy that it needs to take to put in to accomplish those goals. Absolutely. And, and I learned this uh, very similar technique that was called peeling the onion, which is asking why, you know, seven times is, is eventually what you need to get to the actual core of the issue. Just like you found, you, you ask things in a different way. But if you just ask, even if you're just doing this with your own self-coaching, but if, you know, people make a decision and say, well, why am I really doing this? Eventually, you'll get down to the, the core issue if you ask yourself why or what's this really going to do for you a couple of times, whether it's five times or seven times. It's really a valuable tool, and we all need to identify what's really driving us to make these changes in our life so that we do make the right decisions for our right life right now every day. Oh, I love that. So as we wrap up, Craig, what, what final thoughts would you like to leave with everybody listening? I always say that uh, you know life is really not measured, I suppose, is uh, one way of looking at it, but our, our life is measured by the people and that we spend our time with and the experiences we have. It's not measured by money. It's not measured by the amount of stuff we accumulate. It's measured by people and experiences. And, and I love how difficult it was for us to do this interview, John, because every time I tried to schedule with you, you were off to one of your son's ball games, And so you're clearly living that. Uh, and you know that. You know that it's the people, your family, the experiences, being there for your family, being at the ball games that really matters that at the end of the day, at the end of your life is something that you're going to have the most gratitude for. So that's what I hope everybody else listening also understands and you're a great role model of this. Well, thank you, sir. I appreciate it. So are you. And you know what, how do people find you? How do they connect with you? Get more information about everything that you're doing, Craig. Well, one thing I'd like them to do is to start with the time journal and you can download a, t- a free time journal PDF at craigballantine.com forward slash free gift. We have a couple of other tools in there to help people. And, th- and that's uh, B-A-L-L-A-N-T-Y-N-E. So craigballantine.com, correct? Yes, absolutely. Uh, thank you for spelling that out because it's something that can be spelled a, a multitude of ways. And so if they start with that time journal and some of the other gifts that we have there to help them get their days dialed in, that'll be really great to get them value. And then they can contact me through LinkedIn. They'll find me at Craig Ballantyne. Um, and they can also go to earlytorise.com or they can find me on Twitter, which is actually the one thing that I check the most uh, it's just nice and easy to get back and forth with people is at uh, twitter.com forward slash Craig Ballantyne. Awesome, my friend. Thank you so much for sharing today your time. That That is, I hope everybody listening just takes a lot of what Craig shared with us today and just starts putting that into place. Just start with not waking up and grabbing your phone. Wake up, get up and spend you know, for the first week, 15, 20 minutes, 30 minutes before you turn on anything electronic, I'll guarantee that you're going to just start seeing some profound changes. Wouldn't you agree, Craig? Absolutely. It's all about, as you said so well, slowing down to speed up. Thanks for listening to Eternal Leadership. Be sure to check the summary of this MP3 for any important links and a link to the show notes for this episode. 
As I said at the top, this edition of Eternal Leadership has been brought to you by Marketplace Rock. Is there something that feels like it's blocking your business? The team at Marketplace Rock partners with you in unearthing those things that could be holding you back through intercessory prayer. John and I can't recommend the team highly enough. In fact, our phone calls with them are the highlight of our week. Visit them online, marketplacerock.com, or listen to either of Amy Everett's past interviews with us. Episodes 4 and 66, marketplacerock.com. For John Ramstead, I'm Steve Ryder, and thank you for listening to Eternal Leadership. <laughs>